Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Classroom Matters with me, your host, Christy Hool. And I am so excited to have our guest on the show today, not only today, but we are actually going to be diving in and doing another three-part series because I think that the topic that we're going to start talking about today is so important but also very important and relevant for the times that we're in right now. So um, let's go ahead and dive right in. I want to introduce Rana Glickman. Rana, good morning. Thank you so good much morning. for being here. Oh, I appreciate you having me. This is an important topic, and it was before COVID, and I feel like it's even more uh, during COVID. So, Right. Yeah. And so Rana is a social media speaker and consultant. Um, and so she teaches social media safety. And you have really been in education for quite a while. So tell us a little bit about your, about your background. Sure. I uh, received my degree from Indiana University, where I'm from, in home economics, which has now turned into family and consumer science. And I teach I taught life skills to grades six, seventh, and eighth for almost uh, about 25 years in the Buffalo, New York area, and absolutely loved it. And part of our curriculum, about 10 years ago, we started doing the social media safety and online safety and predator safety, and I just kind of grabbed hold of it, and I said, as it evolved, emerged and I saw my students uh, really getting into the social media, I saw what it was doing to them and it wasn't pretty. I saw a lot of kids that were just relying too much on their phones, getting immersed in this and it changed their personality and behavior. And then of course the bullying came about and I said, I really want to research this and see what I can do to help the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, we are really in a time right now where it seems to me that kids are getting younger and younger. And, you know, we're not just going to talk about social media in this three-part series, but we're also going to talk about just the use of the internet um, and safety um, while your children are on the internet. But, you know, that's why I feel like, you know, and I know that you agreed, we've had a lot of conversations before we started recording um, over the last week, and there is so much information to dive into. And that's really why I felt like we needed three different Mm -hmm. uh, podcast sessions to really dive deep. And, and, you know, the point of this is to give parents and educators um, some insight as to not only some of the dangers of kids being online while they're in a time of remote learning, but also just the dangers um, that are out there and what parents and teachers can do because it's not going away. No, (laughs) it's not going away. And and I just want to do a, I guess, a sidebar here saying I am not anti-internet, anti-social media. And I shared a story with you yesterday about how I found a really good friend to help me go through um, with my son with special needs. And uh, there are very positive things about the internet. But as I tell the parents and as I tell my the students, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's out there. You don't know what people have as far as a way to get into your computer and or, or hack your computer or anything. So um, I want to talk about that too. So, well, and I'm glad that you brought that up that you're not anti no. internet and video games, because I think that this is a, this can be a really touchy subject and it can be a really controversial subject. It um, is. You know, I, I, I've been in the same boat as you, I have three boys and they are very much, 
um, into video games and being on the internet. And so we have really tried our hardest to make sure that we're having a good balance in our lives. And I agree with you and and I'm in the same boat as you are. I'm not anti-video game. I'm not anti-internet at all. But I think there is a limit to what is healthy for our kids and what isn't when it comes to the time that they spend. So let's just dive right in. So on this episode, we are really going to specifically be talking about the appropriate age for not only social media, but also just when you allow your children to have any sort of internet access or a device and what are the dangers of maybe starting too early? So tell us a little bit about um, when you think the appropriate age is for kids to actually be handed a device or allowed to be on the internet. Um, As far as a device, if you want to talk about computer, do you want to talk about phone first? You, whatever you feel is most. Well, you know, phones are pretty big deal. Okay, I was just going to start with phones. Um, a lot of parents give in to the everybody else has one, and they do give in to that. And I, the number one reason I ask my uh, the, my students to answer, why do you need a phone or why do you have one in case there's an emergency? And I say, well, in school there could be, but the adults have phones and there's phones in the classroom. And when you give your child a phone, my advice is if you, if you do end up I would say maybe seventh grade, if even that, but definitely there is the, uh, everyone else has one. I don't have one and I feel for the kids that don't. And some kids don't even want one, but most do. So I would get the one with the least amount of opportunity to explore the internet. If you're using it for an emergency, fine, get one that is um, available to talk and to text. That's all they need at that time. The second thing is if you do get your child a phone, with other features, then I would, uh, I highly recommend getting a parental contract. And there's many of them out there. Uh, My favorite site is commonsense.org. I love them. Um, But you can uh, Google parental contract. And what this does is teach what I taught life skills. It's a life skill. So I'm sure you have many contracts. You cannot Chris, you cannot choose when you want to pay your bills. You have a contract with your, uh, let's just say phone bill. Each month you pay your bill. And I would, the contract would say what the child's going to do. We're going to have uh, a limited amount of time. I have your password. I am able to see what you are doing. And in return, I'm going to show you respect and trust that if I see that you are doing something, I'm not going to immediately take it away. I'm not going to yell at you. We're going to sit down and discuss it. The number one thing these parents need to do is to charge the phone in their room. Do not have a charging station in the kitchen. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that more specifically because we had a conversation about this yesterday and I thought it was so interesting because parents always will say, well, my kids... uh, Phones on the counter, phones on the okay. kitchen counter, 10 o'clock. And they have good intentions because we've done the yes, same definitely. thing. Mm-hmm. The we've intentions the are thing. great. You've so got talk your charging. about why that might not be a good idea. Uh, it wouldn't be a good idea because a lot of kids, especially now, are going to bed at a very later time. And they, are, they can have access to the phone unless a parent has uh, a something on the child's phone that uh, that they cannot get into the phone or they are smart enough to turn the internet off, then the kids can't have access to it. But these kids are falling asleep or trying to sleep. They are woken up by the sounds of the phone, even during school. These kids are coming in tired, but one of the things that they're doing is so dangerous is they're falling asleep with 
the phone under their pillow. The phone gets hot. Um, and we're going to get into this in one of our other series, the radiation, when you're hooked up to the Wi-Fi. That really worries me so close to the brain. It's actually mm-hmm. the brain, but I know that's a different topic. Um, yeah. Back to the phone um, with the contract. If your child breaks that contract, then you have those ramifications and the punishment, so to speak, in the contract. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to... Um, sit down. I think that what's missing sometimes is a is an open uh, uh, conversation with your child. Here's the phone. Here's what can happen. And that's why when I do my presentations, I'm not just talking at the kids. I am showing real life. I show them that the pillow catches on fire. I show them what happens to the brain. I show uh, in my parental one how much time children should be on the phone. And what we've lost sometimes is the parent taking over. Well, my child's going to be really upset. Yes, they right. are. But the key word is child. You are the parent. Mm-hmm. And, well, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I do you think that at times, one, I want to go back to something else you said first about making sure that there are passwords yes. and things like that. And that if your child is looking at something or has stumbled across something or doing something and you, and you see that happening, Mm -hmm. um, you're not automatically, it's not an automatic, the phone is mine. You're never getting it back. That is just sort of a platform for a conversation Mm -hmm. for you to then have with your child. And I, I do think, like you said, we're, I wouldn't say we're scared of our kids, but I think sometimes we don't like the confrontation right? and we feel like, you know, with the privacy and like you and I had our conversation yesterday. I know mm-hmm. in this house, there is no such thing as privacy on my child's phone. Right. That, you know, I'm, I'm in charge of what they're ingesting. And so talk to, talk a little bit about when sure. you know, we, we hear about the, or my kids need privacy and there's. I understand that. Okay. So my son needs privacy. Sure. When you're getting dressed and undressed, there's privacy. But if there's something you don't want to show me on your phone, then you're hiding something. And that's something I need to look at. You have a 13-year-old brain. You have a 15-year-old brain. I have an adult brain who's into the parenting, and I'm going to look at it a little different than you are. So uh, one of the things that you need to do is be very careful, and especially in these conversations, I know that uh, sexting is huge with these kids. Mm -hmm. So you need to have your child understand if you open a picture and you pass it to other people, you have now become, uh, it is now a crime. So this sure. could be traced back to yours. You're now a predator. Yes. You could be a sex offender for life or something mm-hmm. that you didn't even know you were doing. So, yeah, and, and, you know, it, that, that you mentioned that, you know, as a, as an, as a administrator of a building with a bunch of 11 and 12 year olds yeah. running around, you yeah. can't imagine the number of students that we had to take mm-hmm. disciplinary action oh, yeah. against because, all they had done is received a picture and then right. sent it on to other people. So kids don't really don't get that. And I don't yeah. know if parents do either. I don't know if they do either. And that's why it's been uh, difficult to, I don't know why it's so difficult to have these parents come and listen to these talks. I feel if we as a school district are giving kids the one-on-one devices and we as parents are giving our kids phones, then it should be mandatory that they listen to what is really going on out there and how to help their children to navigate through this safely 
I mean, one click, and that's one of the slides I have in my presentation is one click. It takes one second to change the trajectory of your life. And, you know, I, I want to go back to what we originally started talking to or talking about was the age. And okay, so, so. Mm-hmm. let's say you have an eight-year-old child and they're they're asking for a phone. What should parents do if they decide that there's some good reason to give their eight-year-old child a phone? What are the first steps that they should take once that phone has been handed over? Go over the limitations. Um, if it has internet access, which I hope it doesn't, but it normally does. Then, yeah, because that's the whole point oh, a lot of times, right? Point. Yes. And they want to watch the YouTubes and they want to mm-hmm. watch um, the TikToks and Oh yeah, TikTok. Which we'll um, get into. That's a okay. whole other show. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> again, having that discussion, I would actually at eight years old have a very small contract. Only have six three six things listed. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to limit it to thirty minutes a day, sixty minutes a day. If you're on thirty, then you're off sixty. You're not going to have the phone by you when you're doing homework. Um, if you go over your sixty and you want to come in the kitchen and get on uh, the Food Network channel or go. Go somewhere where you're going to watch and help make a meal. That's fine too, but have limitations because this uh, affects the brain where they constantly want more and it's feeding into that dopamine. Oh my gosh, this is fun. Look at this. And you and I both know when we first got on the computer, you're, you're scrolling through and it's like, oh my gosh, I've been on an hour and a half. How did that mm-hmm. happen? So definitely list, uh, give them limitations. Because if you don't, you're done. Mm-hmm. Once they have unlimited time and unlimited access, then everything else is forgotten, including exercise and getting outside. Um, know that that when they go on to the social media, there is an age 13 that it's listed in the terms. And all my students, even when I went in and talked to fifth graders, they scroll through and they just click on I agree. And they do not look at what they are agreeing to mm-hmm. because one thing they're agreeing to is that these sites basically own you every single thing you put out there they own and can use they can use your likeness they can use your voice and the kids don't realize that mm-hmm. right so. yeah and that's a good point is, is children because that's what they are they're children they're even children. though I think, I think that kids are maturing a lot quicker um the, in this day and age than they did when you and i were kids yeah. Um, you know, but they really, their brain is still functioning as a child and has not fully developed. Correct. That's going to be what we talk about in part two, but talk a little bit about how, um, I mean, kids are very savvy when they have gotten a cell phone or on social media. Talk to me about how they can sort of get around their parents being, uh, monitoring by creating different accounts. They do. There, there's the Finstagram, which is the fake Instagram. So this is usually in middle school. Um, it could be younger, honestly, um, but most, most, more than likely it's going to be in middle school where they create a fake account. So you come to me, Christy, and, and I'm your child, and you say, Rana, let me see your Instagram. I'm going to show you my fake one. And you're saying, wow, you're really keeping that clean. I'm very proud of you. And inside I'm going, oh, okay. Thanks, mom. Um, so one of the things I actually do recommend to the kid or to the parents would be to, uh, for example, if they have Verizon, to put the smart family app on. And that allows the parents to control their kids' phones, such as the type of content they can view, the amount of screen time. And again, parents are sometimes reluctant going about the privacy. So 
I just, I mean, I don't agree with that. Why do you think that is? Because I agree with you. I think we're in a time where parents are very um, reluctant to step in and go against what their child wants to do or to say, I need to see what you're doing for fear. Well, of, I don't know. What, what do so you think? so many reasons. And I don't want to um, put all the parents in one category saying sure. that they don't care and this and that. But the ones that do not check, they, they are afraid of their kids. When I have talked to parents, they have told me where they've had screaming matches with their kids. They've run around a table. This one woman told me she ran around the kitchen table trying to get the phone from her uh, middle school child. And I actually had him as a student and he was one of the nicest kids I've ever met. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine him doing that. But again, we'll t- discuss that, the brain changes. And they are afraid of their kids. And the other reason is it gets so complicated where they want to be their friend if it's a divorce and the the dad says, yes, you can do this. And the mom says, no, and I don't want you to be mad at me. And um, it, it gets very complicated, but they don't want their kids to be upset with them. And and again, it's just a being it's being the parent. And I I hate to say this, but. Sometimes it's easier to give in, especially with these long days mm-hmm. of um, being inside all the time. And if a parent is working, it's very easy to hand over the phone, hand over the tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hey, the- I've done it. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm just as guilty as the next. I can tell you that, you know, when I'm trying to work or do something, I'm like, oh, go, go, go use your yeah. computer. Yeah. yeah. And the one um, I would have advise parents to use for Android, iPhone, Kindle, Chromebook is called Bark. I really like Bark, just exactly how it sounds. And you can use it for iPhone too. And it really, it's $5 a month um, or 14 a month, depending on which what level you want, but it's a social media monitoring and it tracks the conversations and content and it will sit, it'll give you as the parent uh, a ding and alert that if I am talking suicidal ideology, um, suicidal tendencies, I'm really depressed. It's going to pick up on keywords and let you know, or I, a, a drug deal, or um, it just has the text and email monitoring and it's going to let the parents know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that is so important, especially at, at such a young age. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've seen kids as young as five years old walking around or oh, having a cell phone. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see it in, in the strollers when the parents are walking. You see it in the grocery store. And I just see this and I feel so sad for the child because you're missing so much. I used to have so much fun with my kids in the grocery store yeah. and finding things and looking at labels and looking at life and getting your face from that. And we all know about the parent or the people that complain, not complain, but are sad when they see everyone out to dinner and they're on their phones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that goes back to one of the, one of the points that we wanted to talk about is when we when we say dangers and starting too early, we're not always just talking about the dangers of what's out there and what kids can get into, but exactly what you're talking about, which is kids are sort of losing their innocence. Because listen, when you and I were that age, I was still, you know, hanging out with my friends and and playing with dolls when I was, you know, 10 or whatever, riding my bicycle and bike rides. Yeah. Like, I think that a lot of kids are really losing some of their innocence way too early because of the internet and these devices. I mean, is that, would you agree with that? A hundred percent because nothing is a hundred safe, hundred percent safe online. 
and and if a child is just innocently scrolling, things can pop up. If there, if you remember, a few years back there was the Momo, and it uh, yes, came, I do uh, remember from another wow. country, and yeah. it was built into children's um, YouTube's, and mm-hmm. it would just pop up and scare them. So. The other thing that is very scary, um, if you want me to go into, let's say, TikTok or something, yeah, yes. when the kids or they have a YouTube or they have a Facebook account or Snapchat or Twitter, and they're like, well, I only have my photo on there. Well, their photo can be Photoshopped mm-hmm. onto another person's body. Again, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what programs are on there. They don't know what hackers can do. At any given time, there are 750,000 predators online, and that was before COVID. Hackers can find your computer's IP address and find out where you live. Okay, so what the kids have is a false sense of security. Here's the number one thing I the kids say, I have it on a private setting. And I say, what does that mean to you? And I get all these great answers. They're all wrong, but they're great answers. Nobody can do this. Nobody can do this. Only somebody, only that my friends can do that. Only this person can see this. Well, guess what? Nope. Mm -hmm. So I give them examples of people that have, and companies that had their private settings and that were hacked into. So if a company can get hacked into, it takes someone two seconds to get into yours. There's no rewind button. Do you think that kids are just under the impression that, oh, that's not going to ever happen to me? That just happens to another kid. 100% because it goes back to, I know we said that the kids are a little bit more savvy and they're different these days. But again, it's still an eight-year-old brain. It's still a 13-year-old brain. It's still, I will post this and not think about the ramifications I won't think about how this will affect my future. You just said something really rude to me on Instagram or Twitter and you didn't like my picture and you said I look fat. I'm going to come right back at you with a comment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to blast you and everyone's going to see it. Yeah. So it's still that mind. It's still the brain still forming where it's not thinking, how is this going to affect me? Am I going to get in trouble? Yeah. So, so just skimming back over before we wrap up our first part, um, you know, try not to start your kids too early if you don't have to, um, putting limitations on them if, and when they do get a device or are allowed to use the internet, um, having a contract. And you mentioned a couple of places. I think you said common sense was one that, that yeah, folks could go sense. to get a good Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you could Google uh, parental contract with child, uh, phone contract. There's so many of them. And what you can do if some things don't fit with what you need right now is create your own based upon what you see and have the kids sign it Mm -hmm. and explain what a contract is. Yes. And if they and don't be afraid to take the phone for a short period of time if the child is not upholding the contract and then you need to adjust it. It's okay. You're the parent. You're paying for the phone. You're in charge. It's okay to adjust the contract if needed. And and you brought up another good point about it's okay to take the phone. It's very interesting when you talk to the kids and they are addicted and they're tell they'll tell you they are addicted. And that first day is going to be awful without it, just like any addiction when you are weaning off of that. And then they have this sense of I don't miss it. It was just too much of my life. Imagine just scrolling through that feed and then doing the comparison. We didn't even get into that, but oh, I can't even. Yeah, what they're yeah. going and like through. you said, kids don't know what they don't know, and parents nope. don't know what they don't know. 
Yeah. Correct. And so this is just a little bit of, um, you know, an ability for parents to inform themselves. Um, if students are listening, for them to really take a step back and look at some of the dangers of how much time they're spending um, and just to reevaluate. So, Rana, thank you so much for diving into this first topic with me. And I look forward to us talking again in part two. I do too. Thank you so much. This is Christy Hool signing off for this episode of Classroom Matters. We'll see you next time. 